You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Um, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 26. I had a completely different message prepared this week from Jeremiah chapter 3, which I'll share at a later date. And the Lord on Thursday shifted things completely. And so I've learned to stop getting annoyed when he does that. And just to be obedient. Matthew 26, we see this beautiful picture of the human Jesus. Jesus was 100% human and 100% divine. How, I do not know, but it's true. And this is, sometimes we think only about the divinity of Jesus, and we forget about the humanity of Jesus. And when I say humanity of Jesus, I don't mean sinful nature like you and I experience. The human side, that he experienced all the things that you and I experience that he experienced disappointment and discouragement and he just experienced temptation and betrayal. He experienced joy and laughter, all that are part of the human experience. And so this picture is in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane is a beautiful portrait of how Jesus deal, dealt with difficulty with trial, with disappointment. And so that this, this morning I want to share seven things with you of how we deal with disappointment, how we deal with discouragement or difficulties in life. We think a lot about the promises of the Lord, and we should, and write them on our hearts, but usually we only think of them in, the, in terms of the very good things. <laughs> um, but one of the things is this Bible does promise, and the, the Lord promised, is that Trials and difficulty will come our way. In John chapter 16, Jesus, he says, he starts talking about peace and the peace that's going to come. They're going to experience peace. And many of us would stop there. I like that part, Lord. I want peace. I want your strength. I want your courage. But then he says this, and it's a promise. In this world, you will have trouble. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? Write that on your mirror. <laughs> See it every morning. In this world, you will have trouble. But he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. It doesn't mean that difficulty and trials and every difficult thing you face comes from the Lord, that he is the agent of it. But rather, we are... It's the, the nature of, 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 the, of, of, the, of the world, that fallen world that we live in. But he has provided for those things. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. It will come. Tragedy will knock on your door. Difficulties will come. Disappointment and discouragement will seek to find a way that it's into your heart. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
And these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. This is encouraging. This is from Paul who experienced more trials and persecution than any one of us most likely will. And yet he could speak with authority, therefore do not lose heart. Though it seems the whole world is crashing down around you, we fix our eyes on what is unseen. The heavenly places is Colossians 3, where Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. This is, this is what the, the believer is called to. We lift up our eyes to the hills where our help comes from. There it is. So this message today is meant to be an encouragement to you. That times in life we feel like we're going through something hard. We feel like our situation is uniquely difficult. Maybe too big for God. We wouldn't say that out loud, but a lot of times we think that in our hearts. This situation maybe is too big for the Lord. That is a lie that we need to come out of alignment with and come into alignment with the Lord that nothing is difficult for him. Every temptation that we face, Christ faced, and he overcame them. And that's not just like temptation from the enemy to sin, but it is that, that sense to, to allow ourselves to make a bed in the place of hopelessness. Jesus was tempted in that same way, and yet he overcame it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now we look to Jesus as we do in all things. Many times from this pulpit, you hear a share about walking in the power and authority of Jesus and the supernatural, and we follow Jesus as an example, and that is 100% true. But we all follow him through the valley of the shadow of death as well. We follow him through disappointment and difficulty as well, and we don't have to fall victim to it. The way of the, 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 the Christian life is that it doesn't matter your circumstance. It doesn't matter your situation. You can flourish. You can flourish and continue growing. That's why the promise is Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, right? Blessed is the man whose hope is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the streams. He does not grow weary when the heat comes. He does not fear when the drought comes. But he bears fruit in every season. This is the way of the believer. This is the Christian life. Not that we're tossed to and fro by every wind and difficulty of life. I hope you hear my heart. Like I've told you before, I don't, I don't share messages about things that I've not wrestled through in my own heart, in my own life, that I don't have a confidence in. That's why Psalm 27 says this, I would have lost heart had I not remembered the goodness of God in the land of the living. So let us look to Jesus. So how did he deal with difficulties, with trials, with disappointment? The Bible says that he was a man of many sorrows, well acquainted with grief. In the garden we see 
Jesus' humanity on full display as a, a beautiful example of what we do. So in verse 36 of Matthew 26, it says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked. Watch and pray so you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He came away a second time. And prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and he prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Lord Jesus, this morning, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. Just this week, as I was seeking your face, you said to me, Tony, remember that I am good. Remember that I am good. Lord, write that truth on our heart. It is the, the very foundation of who we are in you, that you are good, Lord. Your love endures forever, and I pray this morning in the name of Jesus. If any one of us in this room is believing lies about you, about ourselves, about our situation, Lord, you would bring us up and out of those lies into your truth by the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. That we would not be led into temptation, but delivered from the evil one who seeks to destroy our soul. So we choose your plan for us, Lord. Speak to our hearts this morning. Roust out anything in our hearts that is not pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Seven things. How do we deal with disappointment? How do we deal with discouragement? Difficulties. Number one, position yourself in the Lord's presence. It starts out, it says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. We know from other places in scripture that this is a place where Jesus would often go to seek the Lord. And he said to him, said to them, sit here while I go over and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. What is our first inkling? What is our, our default when, when, when crisis hits our life? Is the first thought that comes into our minds, is it, I need to get with the Lord. I need to spend time with him. I need to be in his presence. 
Most often it's not, and I'll be honest, that's not usually my default either. But I believe it is a place in which the Lord desires to bring us that instead of playing out all the potential scenarios and the what ifs, our initial thought is, I need to know what the Lord says. I need to be with my Father. And Jesus, knowing full well what he's about to face, if you read the Gospel of John, from John 14, 15, 16, 17, he, he goes into great detail about what's about to happen. He's gonna be delivered up. He's going to die. And the disciples are like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. Jesus knew what he was about to face, and his thought was, I need to be alone with the Lord. He knew what would sustain his soul. Psalm 105 says, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and to his strength. Seek his face always. And remember the works he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. Psalm 34, verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. We want peace and strength to just happen upon us. This is the equipping that happens in the presence of the Lord. And listen, if we only are spending time with the Lord on Sundays and Wednesdays, we will be famished. Life will be hard. We need to, to find the secret of the secret place where the Lord speaks the secrets of who he is to us with those that we trust and that he loves. We need to be in his presence I was ministering this last spring at a church and I met a young man and he shared what happened to him that night. He said, my wife dragged me here, I didn't wanna come. And uh, that's not always encouraging for me to hear when I'm the speaker. <laughs> he said, I, I didn't wanna come. And the response came and he felt that familiar tug that we have felt in our lives of the Holy Spirit. This call to respond to the Lord. And he sat there in his chair and he said, Lord, I will only respond. I'm only going up there if you touch me. And I can tell you that the Lord loves a prayer like that. He got out of his seat. He went to the front. And he just began to surrender his life to the Lord. He'd been running from God for a very long time. As a kid, he had once walked with the Lord, but then family difficulties, things that don't make sense happened and he turned his heart from the Lord, became bitter towards God. And in that moment, in a space like this, he just began to surrender his life to Jesus once again. And he said, Lord, I want more. I'm not gonna leave this place until you touch me. And all of a sudden, kind of like a lightning bolt, bam, the Lord just hits him. He's baptized in the Holy Spirit. No one's praying for him. He's very confused as to even what's going on. <laughs> Be careful what you pray for. He stayed there. He was one of the last ones there at the front. And he went back to his seat, and there was a prophetic word given 
that the Lord wants to heal someone's hip. And this young man had an injured hip from a hockey injury when he was in high school. And again, he responded, raised his hand, the Lord touched his hip, healed him right there. I've heard people say, God knows where I am. God knows where I live. If he wants to, to reach me, he'll reach me. And believe me, that is true. And I, I, it's, that's a fearful, in me, that's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> that creates a, a little bit of fear in my heart. <laughs> he knows where I live, so I better act accordingly. Um, but we need to position ourselves. We need to come willfully. The Lord does, isn't going to override our will. We need to come willfully before the Lord and position ourselves in his presence. When was the last time one of us was going through something difficult and we just positioned ourselves in the Lord's presence and said, Lord, I'm not leaving here until you touch me. I'm not leaving here until you give me an answer. I'm not leaving here until you give me a word, Lord. And that sort of desperation the Lord loves, like, like Joe said, that sort of broken and contrite spirit the Lord loves and he's attracted to. So we need to position ourselves in the Lord. Number two, we need to be honest with how we feel. This is King Jesus, and he says this in verse 38. He says, then he says to them, his big three, Peter, James, and John, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It's difficult to be open and vulnerable with people in our lives, isn't it? But if Jesus had enough humility to open his heart to the disciples who, in my opinion, didn't show themselves to be necessarily worthy of that type of information, how much more can you and I open up our hearts and be honest with how you're feeling? It is not a lack of faith to say, this is hard. It's not a lack of faith to say, I'm angry. I'm frustrated by this. I wish this wasn't happening. I wish it had been different. To acknowledge your hurt and your pain, to acknowledge your grief. Jesus was. And he also invited people into it. He says, stay here and keep watch with me. With me, Jesus brought his friends into the situation, even though they had no idea what was going on. We can't be an open book to the deep inner recesses of our heart with every person that we meet. There are people that earn a spot in your heart, that have proved themselves to be trustworthy. And if you don't have a person like that in your life, I encourage you to ask the Lord, God, send someone into my life who is walking in maturity, who's walking surrender to you, to be a friend, to a listen. That's why we believe and put so much time and energy into life groups because it's a place where real, real deep relationships are formed from people that you would maybe never talk to on a Sunday morning. Not because you're a prejudiced jerk, but just because you just don't talk to them. So it's, a, again, a way of positioning yourself in the Lord's presence and with his people. Be honest with how you feel. And I, I know I can see you squirming right now as I say these words because there's the Midwestern way of like, I don't want to burden anyone with how I'm feeling. That's pride, my friends. 
Honesty creates an open door for the Lord to minister to your heart. Ecclesiastes says, pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Pity that man. But instead, we open up our hearts to those people around us, just as Jesus did. It says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Do not isolate yourself. There's a difference between getting along with the Lord and isolating yourself. Number three, pour out your heart to the Lord. Verse 39, he says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knew full well that it wasn't possible. This was the way. This was the way. But it disarms the enemy to pour out your heart before the Lord. This was the, the, the enemy's great, last ditch effort to, to, to tempt Jesus into taking matters into his own hands. Just as he did as, as he was tempting him in the wilderness. Take matter. You don't have to do this. You don't have to die. There's a different way. There's a better way. You can, you're the king of the world. You created all of this. And so in Jesus' humanity, he's pouring out his heart before the Lord. He goes, Lord, I know there's not another way, but if it's possible, if there was another way, I really, this is, this is going to be so difficult. Not just the pain and the suffering. He knew what it was to see someone crucified. This was a common way of execution in those days. But to carry the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders. Lord, is there any other way? He offers honest and earnest prayers before the Father. He pours out all that's in his heart. Hebrews 5, verse 7, it says, In the days of Jesus' flesh, his time on earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. It says that his prayers were heard there. Does that mean there was a, the father offered a different way? No. Instead, it's for the joy who set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. His prayers were heard in the peace and presence and strength that came to him from the Father, from the presence of the Lord. And you and I, we need to give ourselves a time and a place to feel and to express our anguish. Lamentations chapter two says, arise and cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger and at the head of every street. Psalm 107 says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he breaks down the gates of the bronze and cuts down the iron bars. Amen. To be a prison of yourself unto yourself is, is far worse than many things that we can face in this life. 
but pouring out your heart to the Lord, as Psalm 62, so that he can become a refuge to you, is something as believers that we need to learn. He's not afraid. He's not looking for your, the perfect prayer. He, he's your friend, isn't he? He knows what you need before you need it, Matthew 6 says. So it's for our own sake as we pour it all out. We empty ourselves of all those things of how we're feeling. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's how we feel. And we pour it out before the Lord. And it's only then that the Lord can start to fill that empty space with his love, with his joy, with his strength, and with his courage. So number four, we must receive comfort. In verse 40, it says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked. Do you feel the disappointment? He said, stay with me and watch. I need you. I need you guys. The comfort of just having somebody with you. He's about to go down the loneliest road that anyone has ever experienced. And he's looking for his friends to show up for him. The comfort of someone that's just going to be with him and walk with him. None none of their advice, none of their encouragement is going to change the situation one bit. But he's just looking for those who would be with him. And you hear the disappointment. Couldn't you just watch? It's just one hour of your life. It's one hour. There's a strength that comes when we receive comfort from our friends and from the Lord. And they both serve different needs. In Luke chapter 22, it says, in the same story, it says that the Lord sent a ministering angel to bring comfort and strength to Jesus. There's a strength and a courage that you can only get from the Lord. But there's a comfort also that the Lord has designed us for that we can only receive from one another. We know this because of Genesis chapter 2, the creation story. Before sin had ever entered entered into humanity, mankind faced a crisis. And that crisis was an aloneness problem. It says that God made Adam and it was very good, but he said it was not good that Adam was alone. And so what did he do? He didn't say, he didn't offer more of himself. Adam had full, he had full access to the Father. He walked with him in the cool of the day. No, his answer was a helper in in, in Eve, or a rescuer as the Hebrew says. There are places that God has designed your heart that only other humans can meet. When we try to look to humans to meet every one of those needs in our life, that's when things get, get off. But we need, you. I was made for you. You were made for me. We were made for one another. God designed us to be in relationship. And one of the ways that we serve one another is to receive comfort, which is just coming alongside someone, not having to figure out all the answers, But just as a good friend says, I'm sorry that you're going through this. I love you and I'm with you. To have someone can grab your hand or put their arm around your shoulder and say, you're not alone. I'm with you. There's a book that I love called God's Smuggler. I read it often. And one of the things that him and his wife would say together, they were smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain after World War II. They would often say to each other, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're going to face. We don't know how we're going to get there. But we're going to go there together. And to have men and women in your life, you say, I don't know what this is going to 
come around every corner, but I don't have to do it alone. We'll go together. Amen. Number five, be aware of unhealthy ways of coping. Jesus tells his disciples in verse 41, he says, watch and pray. These things are meant to go hand in hand. Pray and watch, watch and pray. To watch is to pray, to pray is to watch. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Jesus is modeling to them what you do in times of difficulty and the struggle. And now he's saying watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation, knowing full well what's going to happen to Peter. He says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There are all sorts of ways that we can cope when we're going through difficulties. Whether it's staying up late, eating a tub of ice cream, (laughs) or locking yourself in a room and binge watching TV, using things to numb the pain. None of these things help meet the need in your life. None of those things will help. In fact, they have a compounding effect. And what we find is that on the other side, we're just more angry because we haven't faced the pain. We've only tried to numb it. If we walk and sow seeds in the flesh, we will reap a harvest of the flesh. Many times you'll see, in, maybe in your life, I've seen it in my life and on others, people will go through times of difficulty or they'll make a mistake, but then you have a decision to make at that point. We, can't, we all wish we could go back and change things at times, but we can't. All we have is right now. So the choices that we make will affect our future. And many times we continue to make wrong choices that hurt us and compound the difficulties in our lives. So Jesus is warning us here. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness and reap steadfast love. Break up the unplowed ground. For it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. You've heard me and my brother, Drew, talk about our father and how he watched in his mid-30s, his entire life falling down around him. And he could have crawled into a bottle. He could have found a woman to help numb the pain in his life, but instead he found himself on his face before Jesus, sowing seeds of righteousness so that his children wouldn't experience the same things that he experienced, so that our hearts were fertile soil. So when the Spirit came like rain, those seeds that have been planted in our hearts would flourish. We reap in the flesh what we sow in the flesh. What did Jesus say? The flesh counts for nothing. but The spirit gives life. Be careful, be aware, invite people into that. It's okay to say, I really feel like doing this right now. I know it's not right for me, I just need to tell somebody about this. Man, we would save ourselves a lot of trouble if we invite people into that. Number six, you guys still with me? Number six, we need to pray yourself into the truth or worship yourself into the truth. Jesus says this, or it says this in verse 42. It says, then he went away and prayed a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, 
may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the same thing a third time. Jesus' prayer changes here. Notice, he goes from pouring out all these the things that are in his heart. Lord, I don't, I don't really, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to do this. But ultimately, I want your will and not mine. And now all of a sudden, he's like, he, he, he's come to the realization, the truth. It's not possible. And Lord, I want your will and not my own. Oftentimes, I, I hear people say, well, my brain knows the truth. But why is it so difficult for me to believe it? Many times we haven't given ourselves the time in the Lord's presence, in the place of worship, to worship your way into the truth, to experience him so that your mind and your heart are conformed to the image of Jesus. Lamentations chapter three says, yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his passion, compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. There's this old time phrase of praying until you pray giving yourself time in the Lord's presence till when you're, you actually commune with the Lord. We're not just offering petitions to the Lord. That is part of, our, part of prayer, but it's a small part of prayer. Prayer is communing with the Lord, sharing our heart and allowing the Lord to share his heart, ministering the Lord and letting him minister to us. But many times it's so fast or it's so regimented, we don't allow the Lord to speak into our lives. We don't allow ourselves to be conformed. We don't allow those moments of quiet before the Lord where we say, just as we sang today, Lord, here's my heart. You can have it all. Here's my soul. You can have it all. My mind and my strength. Lord, you can have it all. And you pour it all out, and then all of a sudden, the truth of the Lord hits your heart, and you know it to be true. You know, there's a difference between when I hear somebody say, you know, God is good, and it's kind of just like a shallow platitude that we've learned to say as followers of Jesus. But then there's people that you hear them say God is good or God is faithful and you know because they've seen God be faithful in their lives. They've seen God be good in their lives and it's, the, it's written on, on their hearts. And this is only done in the fires of the secret place. And so we worship him in spirit and truth, and his spirit leads us into the truth. Say, search me, Lord. Am I believing any lies right now about you, about myself, about my situation? Lord, align myself with your truth. It's only then when we've allowed ourselves to, to pour out all that stuff and we can start to think clearly and have perspective on what the Lord might be saying. Scott, would you come? And number seven, 
remain positioned in the Lord's presence. He can't be like Santa Claus to us or like a fireman. We just call him when we need him. We have to live our lives, people of his presence. This is our heritage. This is your and my heritage. This is one of the reasons Jesus died, so that the spirit of God could live in us and be upon us, that we wouldn't spend one moment from his presence. And in that place, God gives us everything that we need to face this life. You feel the strength in Jesus, the shift in verse 45. It says, then he returned to the disciples and he says, you're still sleeping and resting. Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. You feel the strength in his voice. He has been with the Father. And we know that he's heard from the Lord because later Peter cuts the ear off of someone trying to protect Jesus and Jesus says put your sword back in place for all who live by the sword will die by the sword do you think I cannot call on my father and he will once at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way there's this resoluteness that, that, that came upon Jesus he strengthened himself in the Lord. We can't remain in that place of, of sorrow forever, but sorrow lasts for the night. And joy comes in the morning. And joy is a person. He's Jesus. And it goes beyond circumstance. It goes beyond whether or not things are going our way or not. joy, this resoluteness in my heart that, that comes into perfect alignment with that says, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Listen, life still continues to come. You realize this as, as you have kids. You know, you have your first kid, and you kind of take a month off, and you just kind of sleep whenever possible. You're hanging on for dear life. The second kid comes, and you're not afforded such a luxury because the first kid still needs to eat and doesn't care that you were up all night. And then the third comes, and then you have two that do not care that you were up all night. And this is life. Life keeps coming. If you don't allow yourself to deal with these things as they come, they will pile up. you know it, you feel completely overwhelmed by all the things in life. And it's not just one thing. It's a great many number of things that have piled up. You feel that way. You feel that, that hopelessness. Maybe God's not as good as he said he is. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 12 of King David. And he's, his son is sick. And he's praying and he's fasting and he's so distraught to the point where the elders and the, the people around him are, are so worried about him. And for, This happens for seven days. On the seventh day, the child dies. And what does King David do? 
he learns that the child is, has died and he, he gets up and he washes himself. He washes his face and he goes back into the presence of the Lord. John G. Lake said that sin dissolves and diseases flee when the power of God approaches. And yet we're quibbling and wondering if Jesus is big enough to meet our needs. Take the bars down and let Jesus come into your life. I've stopped asking God why. Why did this happen? Why did things go this way? I've learned that even if he did answer, it it wouldn't help anything. It wouldn't change anything. He is so far above you and I. But instead I've Ask the Lord, what what do I do now? Where do we go from here, God? Psalm 27, again, it says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. So wait on the Lord. Take courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord, I say. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.